Welcome, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. With rising housing prices and inflation rates, yeah, inflation rates and interest rates and all that, all that rising stuff, maybe you're looking at living in a van. Listen, I, I'm no I'm no judge. I thought about it at one point. I even told people when I was in uh, elementary school, I said, you know what? I'm going to live in a van down by the river. And it's all because I saw that skit on SNL, one of my favorite skits of all time. So <clears throat> if you're thinking about living in a van and you have a dog and maybe that's stopping you from living in a van, well, how, how would I even do this with my dog? How would I coexist with my dog in such a tiny space? Maybe you have a spouse, maybe you have a small family and you can't even fathom living in a tiny space like that. Maybe it's a tiny home. Maybe it's not a van. But van life and living in a tiny house can be extremely difficult with a dog. And there's really three things I want to talk about today that you must implement into your daily life if this is something you're going down. You can implement these into your daily life either way. But it is imperative that you do so in order to have success with your dog. If you're going to be doing anything with your dog, even remotely close to this, you're going to go camping, you're going to go on a, a road trip, you're going to go hang out at someone else's house for a couple of days, maybe you're visiting somewhere, maybe you want to travel the world, go to different countries with your dogs. These three things are imperative for you to master, not even train, not even teach, master. You have to master these because you never know what's going to happen, where you're going to go, what's going on, and what conditions you might be throwing yourself in. The first one is crate training. Now, a lot of people have some bad notions and associations to crate training, and I think it's because possibly their early experiences in life, right? You're told to go to your room when you got in trouble, or it was a problem to, you know, go sit in the principal's office. It's a confined space. You're told to go somewhere you don't want to go, and you have to sit there and wait for your punishment. The association is that going to your quote unquote crate or jail cell is that you're in trouble. That's not what I teach my clients to do with their crate training. The crate is like their bedroom. It's their fun space, right? Kids go to their bedroom to play with their toys, maybe to watch a movie, play video games. They don't do that in the living room. Maybe they do, but really their, their room is their safe space. If they don't want to be around anyone else, they're going to go to their room and do their own thing. That's what the crate should be associated to. And you need to fix your mindset on the crate so that you teach it in a positive way. If you think the crate is negative, you're going to teach your dog subconsciously that the crate is negative. I'm going to say that again. If you think the crate is negative subconsciously, you're going to teach your dog that the crate is negative. The crate does not have to be negative. It can be insanely positive. It can be liberating to your dog. That's what your goal should be through training. So how do you do that? You want to build a positive association by using rewards by playing games with the crate and teaching your dog that they are not trapped in the crate. They can go in the crate. They can come out of the crate. Sometimes the door is closed. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes I'm in the room. Sometimes I'm not. Right? And you just, you move around in a, a kind of space that allows your dog to feel comfortable in the crate without you being present and with you being present. The crate is a positive place to exist, not a punishment. 
You never want to use the crate as a punishment. I'm going to send my dog to the crate because they did something bad. You don't want to think of it like that because you're going to display that emotion towards your dog. Get in the crate. They're going to run over there scared and they're not going to want to go back in the crate. But if you say crate, they run in, you close the door, and then you deal with whatever you have to fix. They chewed something up, you know, they threw up all over the place, whatever it was. Now you can deal with that without the emotion and frustration being taken out on your dog. People do it constantly. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've had to help people get past that. And if you're in that kind of mindset when you're working with your dog, it's not going to help boost your relationship or build the confidence between the two of you. Instead, you're going to tear each other apart. Your dog's going to hate the crate, which is going to make it more frustrating for you. You're not going to want to do the training, and then everything's going to fall apart. So get ahead of it. Make it a positive situation. I'm going to send my dog to the crate. I'm going to make them love the crate, especially when they're in trouble, but they're not actually in trouble, right? They did something wrong and I'm angry with them or I'm frustrated or I'm upset. So instead of taking it out of my dog or scolding them or correcting them because they didn't know they did something wrong, right? It's a training issue if our dog does something wrong. They just don't know what the expectation is. I can send them to the crate. I can then deal with whatever I need to deal with, right? They're jumping all over somebody. That would be a problem behavior that we should train on. So I can actually tell them to go to the crate, close the crate door, and then invite someone into the house so that they don't practice the bad behavior. They're not in trouble, but it makes it easier for me to deal with certain situations if I can crate them momentarily and handle whatever I need to handle. And that's what's going to help you in van life or tiny house life. Being able to send your dog to the crate, maybe so you can clean. Right? I even do it and I have a full-sized apartment. I'll send my dogs to the crate and have them relax in there so I can vacuum without them being in the way. Or if I can mop and I'll just wait for the floor to be dry and then I'll release them from the crate. That is the power of effective crate training and having them love being in there. They're not anxious to try to get out and be like, ooh, I want to get out, I want to get out, I want to get out. It makes it easier for me to clean my apartment and keep everything, you know, well, uh, <laughs> well organized, I guess you could say, well organized and, and clean a little bit longer because they're in the crate and I can let them out when the time is right. So if you live in a tiny house or a van, that is imperative to be able to put your dog in a certain place. It doesn't have to be the crate. You can have them jump on the bed, but maybe you need to make the bed. Right? So you can clean the floor while they're on the bed and then you put them back on the floor while you clean the bed, whatever it is. But the crate is going to be vital if you're moving. If you're like driving around, it's important to have your dog in a safe space because if you're driving in a van and you accidentally get into an accident, you don't want your dog flying around. They don't have a seatbelt. They could sit in the front seat with you if you're by yourself, but if you got multiple people in the house, they should really be confined in a well-structured crate, one that is rated for driving and, and being in accidents because that's the last thing you want. Accidentally get into an accident and now your dog's on the brink of death. Sorry if that's very dramatic, but it's true. That can happen. And I don't think enough people think about that when they let their dogs stick their heads out the window. It's dangerous. It's insanely dangerous. A car's and van is not something to play around with, and your dog's life is not one to play around with either. So I would crate during my dog just for the fact of driving in a car constantly if I was going to be a van life liver. Van life liver? Living in a van life. Living a van life. <laughs> living in a van or living the van life. Number two. Okay. 
is separation anxiety. You have to get separation anxiety under control before it happens, before it creates a problem, or if your dog already has it. If you guys are going to be working together and living together constantly, where you're home, maybe you're traveling, you're working on the road in the van, then your dog's going to constantly be next to you. So what happens when you go somewhere that you can't bring them? They're going to be stressed out. Now, understandably, if you are living in a van and you're leaving your dog in the van, there are certain health, weather, and good life practices that you need to have implemented. Okay, They need to have fresh air. It shouldn't be too hot in the van. right? It shouldn't be too cold in the van either, depending on where you live. All of those things need to be taken into consideration. And I'm assuming that through some common sense, you guys could understand that. So I'm not going to go over those in depth if you were to have a, a, live in a van. Just understand that you cannot leave a dog in a van without any airflow in the heat or in extreme cold. It's just not humane and safe. But if you did have to leave your dog there and you took all of the proper precautions that I'm talking about, you should essentially be able to have a dog that will be totally fine no matter what's going on and where you go. That's what I'm talking about with separation anxiety. You can leave your dog in the van and you can go to the grocery store or you can go hang out with a friend who's allergic to dogs and doesn't want your dog around. I don't know why you would have that friend. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you, you should have plenty of friends, as many friends as you want, and it should not be stingent on the fact that they either have allergies or don't like dogs, <laughs> right? So you go to do something else and you can't bring your dog with you. How do we teach them to be okay with it? It's very similar to crate training. Very, very similar. And you could use the crate to teach this. But more or less, you're going to have to teach your dog that when you leave and you come back, it's no big deal. It sounds that simple. The tough part is doing it successfully. Confidence only comes from successful repetitions. Confidence only comes from successful repetitions. If you do not do successful repetitions of this, your dog will become more stressed, more anxious, and the behavior will become more bulletproof, training proof. Right? It's going to become so strong of a behavior that you are going to struggle to train against it. So you have to have success. If you have success three times in a row and then your dog fails, what ends up happening is the dog learns all they have to do is wait four repetitions in order to succeed in their own way. What do I mean by that? Let's say you leave the van. You go for a very short hike, two-minute hike, very short. And you come back and you reward your dog for being calm while you were gone. And you do that several times. It's only a two-minute hike. You do that several times. But on the last repetition, you decide, you know what, I'm going to go for a five-minute uh, five hike. Minute, not mile, minute. And you come back and your dog has escaped the van. They actually chased you down the road. Let's just say. Not only is it insanely dangerous for that to happen, you could have lost your dog. Not only is it insanely dangerous that your dog could have gotten injured escaping your van. Not only do you have to now fix whatever happened, right? Let's say they were able to unlock the door without any damages. Amazing. They were able to escape. Or you had to leave the windows down so that your dog had some air and they snaked their way through the open space in the window, or in fact, broke the window. I've heard of all of these things happening. And actually, one of my dogs was able to escape an air conditioner. They, they pushed the air conditioner out of the window and got out of an apartment to find me back before we had worked on his separation anxiety. 
So those kinds of things can absolutely happen. So now, what has your dog learned? After a couple of repetitions, if mom and dad are gone longer than two minutes, I need to break out of this place to go find them because they got su successful. They got rewarded in their own way for doing their own thing. And what's actually going to happen, instead of waiting the two minutes, they're just going to do it right away next time. They're going to practice more of the bad behavior, the thing that you do not want them to do. They're going to practice more of it simply because it worked. That's not what you want. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to have them be relaxed when you leave. So you need to keep them successful. If you're going to practice a couple of repetitions, they should probably get easier as you go on, not harder. Maybe they get a little bit harder and then they become very easy towards the end because you need to end on success and you need to practice successful repetitions. It's the only way you're going to build your dog's confidence. It's the only way it's going to happen. Now, when you are living in any type of situation, van life, tiny house, apartment complex, you're living in a home for the first time with your dog, there are certain skills that your dog needs to know how to do in order to make your life 10 times easier. I could spend days and days and days teaching you all of those life skills, but I've actually created a course to help you go through that process step by step and have so much success that your life will be 10 times easier with your dog. If you're interested in that, head over to matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills. Matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills. The link will be in the description, so you don't have to remember that. You can just click the link in the description and get started succeeding with your dog and making your life so much easier simply because your dog understands what you want them to do, how you want them to do it, and when you want them to do it. Now, the third thing you must practice and train if you're going to live a van life or that kind of lifestyle in a tiny home is off-leash training. You never know what's going to happen, where you're going to be, and what situation you're going to be put in where your dog might be off-leash. Not intentionally. Right? You might intentionally let your dog off-leash. That'd be totally fine, depending on the circumstances and the training that you've done. However, what happens if they accidentally jump out of the van? What happens if the leash breaks? What happens if they get insanely excited about something and you let go of the leash because they pulled too hard? What are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to set up certain things so that this makes it 10 times easier for you. One, you should probably have a tracking collar always on your dog. Not like on your dog when you plan to go out. No, always on your dog. Again, you never know what's going to happen. Especially if you haven't worked on the separation anxiety. Your dog accidentally leaves and you come back and they're gone. You want to be able to go find your dog. But off-leash training requires engagement and distracting in new environments constantly. Practicing obedience and recall no matter where you are or what's going on. Whether you have treats or not. And teaching your dog that no matter what is presented to them, either in their environment, right, external stimulus, other dogs, cats, wildlife, water, no matter what's going on there, and no matter what's going on internally, they're afraid, they need to go to the bathroom, right, they feel threatened. Or they just, you know, aren't hungry and don't really want the treats. No matter what's going on there, they still have to respond to what you ask them to do, which is recall, especially in off-leash training. There should be a certain perimeter around you that your dog never leaves. This does not have to be a three-feet circle around you. This could be a 10-foot circle around you. But they should hit this imaginary fence, this imaginary line in their brain, and not go past it, simply because you have so much engagement and you've rewarded them for being within that radius so much that they don't see a need to leave. But you also need to practice 
reactivity training. What happens when your dog does go over threshold because they get too excited about something? Wildlife, another dog, another person. How do you get their attention back? You can use rewards for this. You can use treats for this. You can use toys for this. You could use an e-collar for this and teach it through punishment. But what happens when the e-collar isn't on? You could teach this through prong collar or a correction collar, a chain collar. You could teach it to that. What happens if the collar isn't on? If your dog was completely naked, no leash, no collar, no harness, no identification, will your dog listen? That is the goal of off-leash training. Will your dog listen? The only way to do that is to practice that way, to practice with no collar, no harness, no leash, no identification, nothing on your dog. And you have to do that in a safe environment. So go somewhere that's fenced in, practice building engagement, and then practice the recall that you have already taught your dog to do. Right? I'm talking about the, the training phase of working with your dog, not teaching. Teaching is teaching what the expectation is. I say your name and my recall cue, and you run from point A to point B and wait for me to grab you, and they'll give you a treat. And you want to practice the grabbing part because when they get to you, many times dogs will check in and then they will run back away. They go, oh, no, wait, I didn't want to get caught. I want to go have fun. If you teach them that being caught is part of the recall, they have no problem recalling and staying next to you until you let them go again. That's more of an advanced technique, but is vital if you're going to live a van life. You need to have a immaculate, immaculate recall because you have no idea what's going on or where you're going to be. That is more of the, the tough part. You could be camping out of the woods. You could be camping out in a Walmart parking lot. You could be camping out anywhere. You could park on the side of the road for the night because you've been driving too long. Whatever your road trip lifestyle van life is, you have to be adaptable. And if for whatever reason, your dog gets loose in all of these different places, you need to have a solid recall. And in fact, no matter where you go, let's say you go to a new space you've never been to before, your dog should be on leash and the first thing you should do is teach them off-leash obedience and recall. Because that's what's going to help them in the next place you go to, and the next place, and the next place, and the next place. They're just going to learn, no matter where we go, what's going on, what environment we're in, or what I get distracted by, when mom and dad says my name in the recall queue, I must turn around and go back to them, no matter what. So those are the three things you absolutely have to teach your dog. Crate training, separation anxiety, and off-leash training. If you want to learn how to learn, if you want to learn how to teach all of these things and so much more to make your life easier with your dog on a daily basis, head over to matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills, matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills. I'll put that in the description. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know what you want to hear next on the podcast, and I'll see you next time.